And I'm really, really mad at people like the mayor of Ottawa and the chief of police who are actively encouraging division and segregation and bullying and harassment by lying to the people that elected them to act in their best interest. And I'm so pissed off about that that I think I might just drop a lawsuit in their lap later this week. Thank you once again for having a lock to the Launchpad podcast. And this is a place for freedom of speech, a safe space for people to say what they have to. And this is Chris Scott. He is the owner of the Whistle Stop Cafe. He's from out west in Alberta. Uh, he's on the front lines of the convoy right now in Ottawa, Ontario. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. So the first time that I came across you, you were pretty upset in regards to where we were in lockdowns. It sounds to me like you were upset with the fact that you followed all the rules, you did everything that you were told to do, and it's always two steps back and never that one step forward that you're looking for. What was that process for you going from just being a, a, being a business owner, following all the rules to where you just kind of threw your hands up and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. Well, it wasn't a, a quick thing. Like, you know, we spent a whole year pretty much being restricted, not restricted, not knowing what was going to happen. Um, our premier, Jason Kenney, he actually apologized to us in early December of 20, was it 2020? 2020, I believe. And he basically said, hey, we're sorry for choosing which businesses are essential and we should have never done that. You're all essential. We're not going to do that to you again. And I was pumped. I thought, man, good. This guy's got some backbone. He's admitting he's wrong and he's standing up for Albertans. A week later, he locked us down again. Right. And I was like, I was livid. I was thinking at that time that I was just going to say, no, I'm going to open anyway. Uh, but I didn't because I guess it hadn't affected me enough yet. So then the date that we were supposed to reopen came and went and they said, no, we're not going to reopen. We're going to wait for another week. And I almost did it then, but I didn't. I thought, what's one more week? So that week came and went. And then our, uh, our CMOH, Dina Henshaw, she went on live, live stream and she said something like, yeah, we can't open yet. There's not really any end in sight. And I said, screw this. These people do not know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. What they're doing is obviously not being effective because now we're over a year into the two weeks to flatten the curve. And uh, yeah, I had a talk with my staff and my sister who runs the restaurant with me. And we decided that we were going to open against the restrictions and, and take a stand. Right. And what was the response to doing that? Overwhelming support. Okay. It was unbelievable. I had no idea how many people felt the same way as I do. Um, I thought I was somewhat alone in my convictions, um, but it turns out that wasn't the case. There was some negative reaction to it, uh, as, I mean, you can't please everybody. But, yeah, the amount of support was just unbelievable. But it was kind of a double-edged sword, because when I opened, it was about survival for me and my business and being able to provide for my family. When we opened and people, we became this kind of hub, kind of like in the spotlight of what was going on in Alberta. Uh, people started reaching out from all over the country, sharing their stories of how the uh, the restrictions affected them. And that's what really made me dig my heels in and say, I am not backing down. 
Um, they're going to have to throw me in jail to get me to stop. Like, it, it wasn't a financial thing. It was just watching what was happening to people around me and their voices weren't being heard. So that's, that's why we really dug in. Mm-hmm. And is there one story in particular uh, that, you could, that you could share that was maybe a, a little bit more influential than the others in regards to just saying enough is enough and we have to create some change here? Well, there's hundreds of them, but the one that really, there's two. So the first one was a family in Saskatchewan. I can't remember. I think it might have been Regina or maybe it's North Battleford. I don't remember. Anyway, this lady was talking to me and she said that she had a mother who she lost in uh, this town in Saskatchewan. And that was terrible. And she feels like her mother could have, uh, you know, she didn't have to die. It was partially because she couldn't get access to the treatments she needed because everybody was so scared of COVID. And that's a story we've heard a lot. But in this case, um, that woman had a son who lived in a different house from her a couple minutes away, and he had some mental health issues. I think he was like severely bipolar, but manageable with medication. Um, He had some other stuff going on. And his deal was he had a care worker that would come and check on him once a day, see if he needed anything and help him out. Well, everybody was so scared of COVID, they just decided they weren't going to check on this fellow anymore. And so this lady was trying, she, she lost her mother. And then she's trying to get a hold of her brother for, for two weeks. Nobody would answer. Finally, she ended up phoning the police. And the police went to his home and found him dead, like over his toilet. And what had happened was he had some sort of an issue with his stomach that was easily fixable. And he didn't have the, 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 the capacity or the cognitive ability to identify that something was wrong and he needed to ask for help and nobody came to check on this guy that's why he had someone checking on him because he didn't have the ability to to ask for help or know when to ask for help Mm -hmm. so he died and this lady's telling me this story and i just couldn't believe that people were so scared of getting sick with something that statistically had already shown that it was not what they said it was and they were letting people die like that Right. So that was the one. The second one was a family came in and they were telling us how they, her, their grandmother was in a, a nursing home, had been locked up for months. And they tried to visit her and the nursing home said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. The grandmother wanted them to come visit. They wouldn't let them. So they went to the nursing home one day. It was her birthday. They wouldn't let them in. And they said, well, you can go outside and talk to her through the window. So this family actually went outside smashed the window and went in and spent their grandma's birthday with her, uh, gave her hugs and shared stories and stuff like that. She passed away three days later. Mm. So the COVID restrictions over the last two years have taken away millions of moments like that from families all over the globe, right? They're so scared of something that statistically uh, is almost insignificant that they're, they're not living their lives lives and they're, they're missing those final days. So, I could go on and on and on about all the stories that I've heard, but those are the two that stick out the most. Right. Those are powerful stories. I had a friend that had to say goodbye to his father through Zoom. Oh, jeez. Uh, you know, it's horrible. And so let's just be clear here that this is a convoy against mandates. You want to see all mandates gone. Yes. And this has absolutely nothing to do whether or not someone wants to make that choice to get vaccinated or not. No, I, I don't tell people what to put in their bodies. I smoke, I drink, and I expect people to not tell me that I can't. And uh, I give people the same respect. So if people want to do that, that's fine. But don't force people to do it. Right. So now you hear about this convoy, 
Obviously, you're going to be a big part of it. Uh, you're here now in Ottawa. And I, I felt the vibration in regards to the convoy coming together. There was a lot of, like, a lot of excitement. Um, and apparently a lot of non-patriots waving flags and bringing you guys toilet paper, food, uh, resources, things of that nature. Uh, what yeah. was it like making that trip in, seeing the overwhelming amount of support that a lot of the news never even bothered to cover? Well, they really missed out because I'm, I'm 42 years old and I've never seen or heard of anything that significant happening, happening in Canada in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I, I had no idea that it was going to be like that. I mean, over overpasses, like crowded with people waving and cheering and waving flags, um, families standing on the side of the trans Canada highway in minus 25 with the wind right. and, and waving little kids holding signs saying, you're my heroes fight for my freedom. Mm -hmm. Like how, how do you see that stuff and, and not think it's newsworthy? <coughs> and then you get to the nation's capital, you arrive. Uh, what was the vibration uh, as soon as you got here? Well, it, it was electric for mm -hmm. sure. Horns blaring, engines roaring, um, the streets filled with people. There was, the news said there was uh, like 5,000 people on Parliament Hill. Um, other estimates say that there was potentially 500,000 people or a million. I have no idea. I didn't even make it down that far. I'm parked right now, three blocks from Wellington. Now that's as far as I could get because before we even got in here, the city had blocked intersections with graders and cement blocks and police cruisers. Mm -hmm. And was that supposed to be the case? Was it supposed to be open so you could basically just have a line all the way down Wellington throughout or how was it supposed to work? Well, Wellington was completely plugged up. There wasn't room for any more trucks on Wellington. Mm -hmm. And now what we're seeing is uh, the, the chief of police and the mayor is saying that the trucks are plugging up Ottawa. But like looking ahead of me, we could actually move all these trucks up ahead, put them on Wellington where they wanted to be anyway, and completely open up the downtown core. Um, but as it sits right now, uh, vehicles can still travel all over the place. There's very few intersections that are blocked. Uh, EMS could get anywhere they need to go. So it's, uh, it's kind of organized chaos. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so far, like in all uh, reports that I'm getting, it seems, and from police officers that I've spoken to myself, uh, and I have police officer friends that I have around the city, and they're saying it's like the best they've ever been treated at any type of protest whatsoever. So I'm guessing, I mean, other than the mishaps that maybe happened yesterday, and we can get into that a little bit later on, um, the relationship between you and the police officers, are, it's very civil. It is, yeah. Like, I've shaken tons of police men and women's hands. Mm -hmm. They're smiling. Half of them don't wear masks. Um, they used to be very, uh, uh, very friendly with us until the chief of police said that he would have them arrested if they were caught sympathizing with the protesters. Wow. Wow. Okay. That that I have not heard. Yeah, uh, that's that's a thing. Okay. And now, uh, a, a state of emergency is now being called. Uh, I, I have been down there to see it myself, and I think the, the biggest disappointment in regards to this movement, whether you agree with it or you don't, uh, would be someone here that lives in Ottawa that has an opinion on what's going on, uh, that hasn't taken a second to go down, to go down there themselves uh, and take a look at what's happening. We, we live in this world where, I mean, I have a media background where I, I was in radio, and to read the news, you pull something off the wire and, and you just read it. There's no investigative journalism that goes into it. 
and it blows yeah, my mind. It's, it's laziness. Right. And, and it blows my mind that people will still sit at home on their couch or their lazy boy and pass judgment on what's happening here when all they have to do is just get in their car, go down there uh, and check it out for themselves. What are they missing exactly. out on? What do, what do you feel well, people are really missing out on if they don't make it down there? They're missing out on arguably one of the most impactful moments in Canadian history where people from everywhere, all provinces, all walks of life, genders, races, religions, everything, are standing with a unified voice saying, we want to be free. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There's there's bouncy castles set up down there for kids. They got hay bales kids are climbing on. There's um, people are dancing in the streets. There's pop-up dance parties that happen all over the place. Uh, they're playing hockey in intersections. It's absolutely wonderful. And then we get families. We've only been in the truck here for about an hour. We just came to check stuff out and make sure that it was still on its wheels. And we get families coming up, giving us things like this. Yeah. Their children are making cards for the truckers and delivering them down to these guys and these women. So this is what this is what this is about. So little girl drew this. And she dropped this card off at our truck saying, thank you for what you're doing. Right. Now, I would love the opportunity to speak to Mayor Jim Watson and put something like this in his hands and say, does this look like a violent, terrifying, bullying movement to you? Or does this look like Canadians of all ages, of all backgrounds have had enough with your lies? Right. Yeah, I'm not sure if people are seeing it. I think they're starting to get exposed to it right now with the strong social media campaign that you guys are doing. Uh, that mainstream media is most definitely doing them a disservice and not telling the full story. Uh, the only thing that I'm seeing through uh, mainstream media would be negativity. Uh, the way that Trudeau addressed you was very much like terrorists uh, yeah. and having such a hard time getting him to sit down and have a conversation. I believe now that uh, you're just looking to sit down on a municipal level and, and have a chat with uh, Jim Watson. Uh, how do you feel about the most recent events in regards to the state of the emergency, uh, the removal of gas cans, I believe, for the truckers there as well? Um, and I believe that they have set up, it sounds bizarre, it sounds weird just to even say it, but there are snipers set up in some areas of the city? Okay, so there's two parts to that. So in at Parliament, whenever there's a big event, there's always snipers on the roof. Okay. That's the way it is. It's the nation's capital. They're there for a reason. And it's not because they, they're against the protesters. It's because they have to be there to make sure they've got all eye, they've got eyes everywhere and making sure that it goes off peacefully. Right. Okay. That's their job. It's nothing, nothing new. What was troubling was that they sent, I think it was 150 or 200 police officers to one of the staging areas where the trucks were um, positioned snipers on the roof there. Hmm. And they went in and confiscated gas cans. Now, the mayor, Jim Watson, has he's enacted a state of emergency with no evidence to back up doing that. He's costing taxpayers millions and millions of dollars. He's using fear and propaganda to try and push his own narrative. And then he's deploying like brutally, brutally aggressive uh, shows, show of force with police services to remove gas cans from peaceful protesters. Mm-hmm. 
Like there's there's going to be some accountability in the short term here. And same with the media. The media, not only are they missing out on a amazing story um, that would touch the hearts of Canadians, but they're getting caught with their pants down, blatantly lying to Canadians and trying to push an agenda for a government that won't listen to the people because they want to keep on eating at that Canadian media fund trough. And it's disgusting. And it's not going to be long before people realize what's going on. And they're going to start demanding things like, you know what? This happened because the Canadian Media Fund keeps media in government's back pocket. And we're done with this. We want the truth. We want to make our own decisions. We want to be free to choose. And we're not going to be puppets to any government paid media. Right. So in regards to the tactics that the police officer, the police officers are using, uh, do you believe that this is being done? Do you think they're looking to potentially spark something? Are they looking for you to make a bad move so they have a, a greater reason to be able to remove you? Or is this just more the, the natural course of things that you kind of expected this to happen? You guys have your resolve. And I guess the, the goal for you guys right now is just to not resist uh, and, and not give them any room to try to blow this any more out of proportion than they have. Well, first of all, I do want to say for the record that I'm not speaking on behalf of the organiz like this right. organization or movement or whatever. I'm speaking on a personal level, uh, sharing my opinions as to what I believe this is about. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm not a leader here. Uh, I speak, I share my mind, I share my opinions and my views, but that's about the extent of my thing. So, um, do I think that they want something to spark so they can enforce? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, Maybe the chief of police, Captain Slowly, or Jim Watson, the mayor of Ottawa, want that to happen. But I don't believe for a second that these good men and women who are on the ground here, um, trying to keep the peace, keeping people safe, following orders, I don't believe for a second that they want to see anything bad go down here. I don't believe that they even want to be here. They see the same things I do. They see, they can see that their police chief is lying to the public about what's happening here. They're here every day. They're shaking people's hands. They haven't had to intervene in any violence and any harassment or bullying or anything like that. They're getting phone calls from possibly like, I don't know, agitators saying, oh, they were attacked on the sidewalk by a protester. Mm -hmm. And then they're telling the media that, oh, we have all these reports of, but the men and women on the streets, they're not seeing that and they're not dealing with it. So they know that the city and the police chief are lying to the citizens. They know it. And I'm honestly, I'm really surprised that we haven't seen some of them, uh, you know, be like Danny and stand up and say, we're not going to push this narrative for you anymore. We are here to protect the people. And uh, if, if some don't speak out shortly, I'll be very, very surprised. So no, right. they don't want anything bad to happen. Right. And now, are you even more alarmed by the fact that, let's say you're out West and, you know, maybe the numbers aren't making sense. You don't like the mandates. You want that all gone. And you know that things aren't being reported accurately, or at least they're omitting certain truths, facts, etc. to where now you are here and you are the biggest news story in the world and seeing things firsthand, being that story and seeing how it's being reported. Are you even, are you blown away by that? Like the, the, the extent to the way that it's being reported opposed to the way that it's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen things like this covered by news media outlets in the past. I've, I've seen 
reporters tell people that they're at a mostly peaceful protest while buildings burn in the background. Okay. When they say that about this, when they talk about the, the swastika flag and the Confederate flag and the white supremacy, in the background is people dancing in the streets. Mm-hmm. That, that's the difference here. And, and I'm, I'm appalled that the media is taking that approach to it. I'm appalled that they're more worried about towing the line for the federal government than they are speaking the truth to the people. And I'm really, really mad at people like the mayor of Ottawa and the chief of police who are actively encouraging division and segregation and bullying and harassment by lying to the people that elected them to act in their best interest. And I'm so pissed off about that that I think I might just drop a lawsuit in their lap later this week. Right. And so what seems to be happening right now as well is like your side is pretty lawyered up right now. Like you guys are really here for the long haul. Like, is there any way that like, can they actually get you out of the city? Is there a way for that to happen? Or is this, is this going to have to happen? Like, I know that you don't want this. To, this is not going to be resolved uh, with, with policing. This is going to be resolved with politics. So we really do have to find a resolution by getting both parties to at least sit down at a table and just have a conversation. Yeah, and, and again, I want to reiterate that I'm not involved with this right. on a level that I can actually speak to that. But what I can tell you um, from the press releases that I've seen and the people that I've talked to, this isn't just a bunch of redneck truck drivers. Mm-hmm. We have world-renowned doctors. We have very high-end lawyers. We have accountants, bookkeepers, all sorts of professionals that are working to make sure that this remains a peaceful, uh, lawful protest or demonstration and we can attain the goals that we want um, while being good house guests in Ottawa, I guess I should say. Right. Uh, personally, I do have very, very good representation. And my representation uh, on my restaurant side, like with my fines and stuff like that in Alberta, uh, that's handled by Williamson Law, Williamson Law out of Calgary. And it's actually uh, Rebel Rebel News through fightthefines.com that's, that's paying my bills there. So... I'm well represented on that side in Alberta. Um, I also have an organization called wsfullsteamahead.org. And our, mand- our, our mission statement is basically to advocate for, the, for those who are affected by the mandates, which is, fits perfectly with what we're doing right here. And WS Full Steam Ahead has incredible represent- representation through uh, Leighton Gray and Associates in Edmonton. So uh, yeah, I have really good lawyers, right. very good lawyers. Mm-hmm. I have very good witnesses, Brian Peckford, uh, the former premier of Newfoundland, whose signature is on the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, is one of the witnesses for me. Wow. Like, we, we have, the science is behind this. Dr. Paul Alexander, Roger Hod- Dr. Roger Hodkinson, Dr. Eric Payne, Dr. Julia Panessi, um, Dr. Daniel Nagasi, like, Dr. Peter McCullough, all people that I have actually talked to um, on my live streams that stand behind what I'm doing because the science supports it. And that was Paul Alexander's message yesterday. The truckers have science behind them. The science supports the truckers demanding that the mandates are dropped. So it's not just a bunch of people who are whining because they're not getting their way. This is a very, a very well-supported and logical uh, conversation that should have that should happen. And the reason it's not is because when the Trudeau government can't debate. When they can't win an argument, they ignore it, and then they cancel. They cancel the GoFundMe. 
Um, they've taken steps to limit information on Facebook that doesn't agree with them. They use the CRTC to silence people. Uh, cancel culture, cancel is a very, very powerful weapon that the Trudeau government is using to try and to try and make it so the debate isn't even on the table because they can't win a debate. Mm -hmm. And the minute they sit down at a table with these professionals and these experts in their field, they know, they know that the Canadian public will see the truth and they will lose. Right. Well, I know that your, your time is incredibly valuable and you're busy and I, this really just happened off the cuff. And so thank you for making the time. I'll just finish with two questions uh, for the person that supports the convoy. What do you have to say to them? Thank you very much. Uh, it means much, much more than you could possibly realize that people come up to the window and bring me cards that their kids wrote. And I can speak on behalf of everybody involved here because there's been, there's been so many heart melting moments during this, just the depth of compassion and understanding that people still have for each other. It's there. We just have to encourage people to bring that to the surface and, and get past the fear that's been instilled on them. So thank you. And is there a story that comes to mind that someone maybe shared with you, knocked on your window, that they just wanted you to know how much you've impacted their life? <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of people that I've shaken hands with and hugged over the last few days who there, some are in tears and they're saying, thank you for doing what you did because you've given us hope again. And these are people that have lost hope, people that may have, uh, you know, considered just ending it. And, and that's a very dramatic thing to say, but that's the reality of this situation. When people don't have hope anymore, when they're desperate, um, sometimes that's the way out. So the people that are coming up to us and, and telling us those stories about how we've renewed their faith in humanity, how they're proud to be a Canadian again, like I'm actually kind of tearing up right now because it's, it's, it's tough to talk about without getting emotional, but I, I, do, I don't see people saying that to the leadership in our country or the leadership in our provinces. And those are the people that are supposed to be doing this job. It's supposed to be the people going to the leaders and saying, thank you for giving me hope. That's their job. It's not my job. I'm right. just doing it. And these men and women are doing it because our leaders aren't. Right. Yeah, there's been a, a massive lack of empathy from the governing bodies. Never any empathy, uh, just dictation. And my final question, what do you want to say to the people that don't support the convoy? Uh, I would say that I completely understand that you have uh, fears and reservations about what's happening here. Um, I want to encourage those who don't agree with this convoy. Before you make a decision and you decide that this is a bad thing, please come down here and see for yourself. Uh, if you're fearful because your mayor or the police chief said to be fearful, don't be. There are hundreds of cops walking down here. And even if there was people wanted to do something that was not positive, there's cops everywhere. Come down and talk to people. That's what this is about. Come down and join in the fun. Like this is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, and listen to the people that are speaking. Listen to the doctors that are telling you, you don't have to be fearful. I understand that people are living in fear. I understand that they're being told to be fearful. The businesses down here, the mayor actually told the businesses downtown that they should close their businesses because if they don't, they're going to get looted and robbed and harassed. Um, they told the businesses that stayed open 
Don't let anybody use your washrooms because people are going to be doing bad things in there. But the businesses that are open right now are having the time of their lives. They're making record sales. Um, they, I, I've talked to some of the business owners and they're so happy that they did not submit to fear and they chose to think for themselves and, and now they're in it. They're better for it. So that, that would be my message. Please do whatever you can to set that fear aside. Um, come down, walk with the cops if you have to and look for yourselves because you're missing out on, on something that's absolutely monumental right? and life-changing. Well, Chris, I'm, I'm really happy that I had you here and we were connected through somebody that knows what I'm all about, which is coming from abundance and trying to bring people together. And he knew that you would be the right guy to have a conversation with me because you're level-headed. You tell it like it is. You've had nothing but empathy for the opposition that you speak of and not being an alarmist either and just encouraging people to take a little bit of time uh, to do a little bit of investigative journalism for themselves and not miss out on what quite possibly is going to be one of the like most monumental victories uh, in, in civil rights history, right? In our, in our civil liberties. So I truly Absolutely. appreciate what you do. Uh, you know, I've taken a lot of bumps and bruises for covering this kind of stuff. And I just wouldn't feel right not doing it because there's too many people that put a lot more on the line than I do to not back you as a Canadian citizen. So thank you for your service. You're welcome. And at the end of the day, when when we're looking back on this in years to come, we're going to remember those who spoke out and stood their ground and persevered for truth and freedom. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see that though there were those who, who tried to stifle that and cancel it and hide it and spin a, a, a false narrative. People will remember that. And people will remember men like you who stuck their necks out and took those bumps and bruises in order to get the truth out. So thank you. No problem. So that was Christopher Scott. Thank you for making the trip all the way from out west to here. Uh, hopefully I'll be by shortly and I'll shake your hand in person. And thank you once again for listening to the Launchpad podcast. My name is J-Man. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can. Thank you. That was wonderful. Thank you, Chris. Again, uh, I, I just... like. <laughs> Off the I, I can't fucking believe this shit's happening, dude. I just me neither. I, I'm I'm stifled by it. I try I try not to be too like I mean I'll I obviously have a bias, but I mean I, I could literally just do a podcast of just shrugging my fucking shoulders, saying I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. It's surreal. I hear you, and it feels surreal. It really does. It feels like we're living in the Matrix. Yes. Like I, and I've said that on a couple of my on my live streams, like. We're not in the matrix, but it sure as hell seems like it because this this is so far disconnected from the reality that I know. Uh, it's almost you, you can almost not comprehend it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very accurate description. Like all this stuff that's uh, that's what it's really been for me in the past three years. I, I would even consider myself to be like I don't even know what left and right was before all this stuff happened. I I, I didn't even pay much attention to politics, and and I I'm, I'm angry at myself for that now um but you know i would be i guess more on the left and this last three years has really been an awakening for me thinking about like how much have i been exposed to over my lifetime which was just like this and i never even questioned it how many narratives have i gone along with yeah not even knowing and, and right. on the right same thing there's a lot of things that i've really had my eyes open to like the whole inclusiveness thing so i've always considered myself inclusive yeah however after 9-11, I had that, that 
subconscious fear every time I saw somebody of Middle Eastern descent because the media told me to be fearful. Right. And and that happened with a lot of people. I mean, that, that entire group of people, they got treated horribly after right. that. And it had nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. So then I come to something like this and I consider myself a very inclusive and, and whatever person, but conservative. And I'm starting to question whether I'm actually conservative or if political leaning means anything and it's just truth and lies. Yeah. All right. Taking away the labels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's deep. Can I, can I include maybe some of that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever yeah. You, okay. That was really, you. that was really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs>